0: You're now listening to Carolina Conservative. Brian Hawley is with me today. He's running for NC House in District 53, which covers parts of Harnett and Johnston County. Brian is from Andrew, North Carolina. He's a veteran and a former teacher. Brian, welcome to Carolina Conservative.
1: Thank you, sir. Thank you for having me.
0: Oh, thank you for being on very much. Um, so let's just jump right into it. What do you think is the, you know, two questions. What, what do you think is the number one issue facing your district locally? And then also North Carolina as a whole. What, what's the most important thing going on right now?
1: So, you know, Matt, when I uh, first started to run, they had put me in District 6, Right. and I conducted some surveys, um, and I've continued with asking those same questions with people. The surveys I did were online, and uh, the surveys gave me, I asked them, you know the voters or the people inside the, uh, the areas, what were the number three things, and uh, really four things. The number one, actually for Harnett County as a whole and Johnston County, was education. In Hornet County, when I did the survey, it was actually tied. Um, It was voter integrity and education. Those were the two top uh, items. Um, And of course, voter integrity in Johnston County is very high as well. So you're looking at education really is the number one issue that many people are concerned with, um, which I understand. Mm -hmm. Then Mm -hmm. there was um, the uh, voter integrity infrastructure is always going to be high. So is transportation. You know, uh, people are scared right now with the inflation. That is actually something that has been coming up in a lot of uh, the events that I've been going to. Uh, You see it with our farmers where they're they're paying two to three times per ton more this year than they did last year for fertilizer. So there are a whole host of issues that many families are really scared about. But if I had to rank them still, though that's where I think I would I would throw them in there. But inflation, I think, is is one of those that's right up there at the top, honestly.
0: Yeah. And like you said, the farmers, um, they're paying that much, you know, two or three times more for the fertilizer if they can find it.
1: That's true. That's true right. as well. That's a lot of things. The right. It
0: just like we see on the shelves, and when we go to the grocery store, if you can find it, you're paying more for it. Um, so you mentioned education as one of the top priorities. So let's move to education. What are your plans for improving the education for our children?
1: So education, what I had have, have observed while teaching, um, we saw, you know, I, I to me, I don't know what normal really is in teaching. I've heard while teaching, I heard all these things about, you know, this is not normal. This is, you know, not what teachers experience. Due to COVID, we saw all kinds of different things. We saw virtual. The decline in uh, scores and the decline in, you know, the the students' um, ability to be presented information and, and conduct, um, you know, and absorb that information in a uh, really positive environment has been, um taken away during COVID, and it's it's slowly i think it's slowly coming back but the harm has already been done right, right so you know a lot of the things that we would have addressed i think had i been in the office would have been fighting harder to make sure that number one we would have returned to the classroom i understand the COVID concern Number two, I'm not sure about the mandates that would have been pushed down on us. I think that that should have been addressed immediately because I don't believe government has, uh, I don't think they have a right to mandate things on us like that that's going to interfere with our freedoms. And, you know, many people that opt to wear masks, that's their prerogative, but I don't like something like that being forced on me because while teaching, when I had to wear that mask, um, I got headaches almost every day. And, And, you know, you're breathing in the same nonsense. But as far as addressing the scores, I've talked to some of my teacher friends. They are they are actually implementing a lot of things uh, that's actually p- productive, and it is actually proven uh, very well. But I believe education as a whole, what needs to change is government control. To me, that is the number one thing that needs to be fixed. Government has a monopoly in our education system. I believe in parental rights, I believe in school choice, I believe in, you know, doing what's right for our teachers. To me, it's a whole host of issues, but in order for us to return back to the foundations of education, which would be STEM, for me, math, reading, writing, um, science, all those things that really matter for their futures, um, is are the, the policies that we should be pursuing. Um, we've seen while I was teaching, there was a couple of platforms that teachers suggested that I look at and possibly use. So when I, I opened those up, I saw a lot of uh, social things that I don't think was a, appropriate for a classroom. I'm not saying that they won't see worse in uh, social media, on TikTok, all these things, but government institutions, that being public schools, They have a responsibility to protect our children, all right? Parents need to know that these materials exist and that they should have a say if their their children are exposed to these materials. Um, So the things that I would look at pursuing in policy, like I said, is definitely trying to address things at a more local level with education because NCDPI um, is failing to police what they are responsible for policing. I would like to see, and I don't know if this would ever happen, uh, NCDPIs, officials that are appointed, not be appointed officials because they're appointed and they are protected. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that that's appropriate because there's really no recourse for our constituents or our electorate to hold them accountable.
0: Yeah, and it's kind of like the bureaucratic whether you want to call it a deep state or not, but it is, um, once you get in, it's hard to get you out. Um, I I like what you said. I think there needs to be more transparency in what our kids are being taught. Um, It seems when someone's trying to hide something, it's probably a reason they're trying to hide it. Um, So, so you mentioned school choice. How do we get, how do we get there? How do we get to school choice?
1: That's right. That's a great question. It has to start with a conversation first. Mm-hmm. You have to have people that you can build relationships with. I mean, in order to get there, it's not going to be one individual. One person's not going to make the difference. Right. There are many families out there that are actually advocating hard for that. And I, I decided to run. My son actually is the one that uh, gaslighted me into getting back into this thing because I felt that those folks and those families are... Without a real voice right now, um, and I feel that you know, with my background in business, the relationships that I've had and, and that I'm able to establish on my personality um, would is a, is a strength that I believe would take me to Raleigh and be able to uh, build a consensus to start to pursue policy uh, that we could pass in the legislature. Uh, that would open the door for our families to start to have more control in their, their families and their kids education. Um, you know, regardless of who goes there, uh, it's not going to happen alone. Like right. I said, it, they, they can all tell you that, but I believe you've got to look at the, uh, the other uh, mechanisms and strengths and, uh, skill set that these other, these people have that they could take to those roles And I believe, you know, like I said, with my soft skills, my formal education and policy, uh, my passion um, that I have, you know, I fight, I I don't back down from a fight. um, But uh, I believe that those are the the things you do. Now, that being said, that's the type of person. um, I believe that you build uh, not only a consensus in Raleigh, but you also build a consensus in your communities. You have to get people involved on what this wouldn't, you know, um, what this would mean? School choice, exactly. Would that mean that tax dollars would follow the kids? I would hope so, because hope there so. are tax do dollars.
0: Yeah. And yeah. if the
1: public schools are not uh, prevailing to uh, getting our students to succeed or success, then the the parents should have the option to say, "Hey, you know, I want my kid here versus there," and I would like the tax dollars to go. So, if you whoever you send to Raleigh must understand that it doesn't just, you know, it's just not about Raleigh. It's about Johnson County. It's about Harnett County. It's about every county here. It's about every community here. In my honest opinion, I would like to see more community control with our schools because we know really what's going on here. We see States involved. We see all the things that's going on. It seems like every uh, additional layer of government that's involved in anything. Um, it seems like the worse it becomes because you have so much policy being written by people that are not at our level and understand mm-hmm. what's going on. And many of them, not taking the shot at any of them, many of them, I know they're busy and everything, but many of them don't even go back to their communities and tour a school or a factory or get out in their communities and go see what's the, what really the problems are or set up a forum to invite parents in at a gymnasium or wherever, and discuss these issues. So I would like to see all of that come together and through collaboration of having a panel set in each county that I would represent, parent committees, whatever it's called, to where we can get this feedback and information and work with other educational organizations that have that passion, that focus in on those uh, dynamics that, that would make it more sustainable for our children.
0: Yeah, I, like, I like that idea. Um, so what, tell me about, I know it says on your platform that you're anti-CRT. Yes. But so tell, me, tell me what CRT and SEL, tell me what they are and do they have any place in our schools?
1: Well, CRT is actually a uh, Marxist ideology. Uh, we already talk about, as a social studies teacher, that's what I did. As a social studies teacher, we already talk about history. We already talk about, you know, the good, the bad, you know, the, the, the whole reason we teach history, it's not about many people say this all the time. They say we teach history because we want to understand what we did wrong in the past. So we don't ever repeat that. Okay. That's half true because Mm -hmm. the rest of it is we also want to know what we did well or good so that we can expand on those things. So let's talk about that for a minute. What did we do bad? Well, we understand that anytime you oppress others, slavery, whatever that oppression is, that's wrong. You know, we all are God's children. We all, you know, should be treated as such. And so we understand that a lot of bad things were done in our past, but that was part of of, of what cultures did during early civilization all the way up to, you know, A.D. And, and and B.C., you know, I mean, that was just what they were doing when one conquered the other, they enslaved the people. Had nothing to do with race. We're seeing this movement now that is taking what truly the, the evils and horrors that happened throughout history. And they're trying to expand that into uh, attaching our nation as an evil, racist environment, because those that found that did our founding documents. Of course, they're trying to attribute them as slave owners and and those things. And what it's doing is it's it is embedding or, excuse me, indoctrinating our our future to believe that there's more wrong with us than there ever was right with us and that it's it's used to uh, erode the foundings of our our nation. And so we already teach history. We teach it very well. Um, is, it, is it 100% accurate? I would have to say no in my experiences because there are some things that I've, I've witnessed and observed that I did not think was factual information being uh, brought into the classroom. But I will say this, for the most part, every teacher I know out there in public school systems is battling and doing a very good job. There are those that uh, align themselves with certain ideologies That you'll see but that is the minority versus the majority of our teachers our teachers do a remarkably good job for the most part Uh, so crt is a it is not good for the classroom it is not good for our communities it's not good because it is victimizing one race and uh saying that others are the cause of that oppression or victimization and And while there, I've seen different documents come down about there's too much whiteness in the classroom. There's too much this. that. It's all based on race. and That is just wrong. We should be talking about math, science, reading, writing, and the things of history that happened, the things that we did good in history that fixed those horrors and how we can continue to expand on those things to make it better. Because this is the best nation on Earth, in my opinion. It always will be unless we continue to capitulate to the left and that Marxist ideology. Now, as far as SEL, social-emotional learning. Um, social-emotional learning is a, a program that began uh, from CASEL. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with that organization. Many people can uh, look that organization up, but it's based on leftist ideology. It, it's uh, to supposedly presented it to help children deal with their emotions in classrooms to become better people and all that. We already have guidance counselors that do a remarkable job with doing these things. What SEL does is it expands on the things that our um, guidance counselors and our mental health professionals have been working on with many students and teachers inside and outside those environments. And it it is a way for the left to use those beautiful words that they like to create to open up a window or crack in a door to get their way in and plant a seed so that their ideology starts to spread everywhere. But SEL is attached to gender, normalizing uh, gender confusion amongst our children. And um, there's many books. I'm sure many people have been exposed to it now, George and others that are in our schools and public libraries and things of that nature. you know. And I had a conversation with uh, Jesse Berger about this I think last week when I did an interview and my concerns are, you know, people ask me, should those books be censored? Should they be banned? Should they be burned? All this stuff. And i I felt like, you know, that's, that's like Nazi Germany. No, <laughs> but I do believe that parents need to be aware of what's there. They need to understand that the materials and content that, that children, um, may be able to access. And I believe that, uh, you handle that the best way you can as a policymaker to protect children. Um, I believe you, at least at a minimum, introduce policy that would rate these books, uh, a PG, X, R, whatever, and that parents have the right to say, my children will not be exposed to anything above this rated book. And that's it. And I, I, I don't know if that you can carry that over to the public library. I would hope you can. Same thing. A student can walk down the street, you know, and uh, check out George or one of these other uh, un- unfavorable um, books. And um, the only way I guess you could police that is, you know, the same type of policy. Uh, but I do believe that the children are also up against with technology. They have the the opportunity to uh, use their cell phones, whatever, tick tock, all these things they can see much worse than what's in that uh, public library. At mm-hmm. least I think I don't know all the materials there, but I do know that these kids for the most part these days have cell phones and they can access pretty much anything. Government can't police that. No. You know? government that's a parenting. Parents have issues. to
0: police that. What's that? Parents have to police that.
1: Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. And government alone cannot fix a lot of these issues, you know, and that's why I believe that you have to, present policy that protects individual rights to make sure that people are policing their own individual, their families, because we're seeing government intrusion in many arenas. We see it with our gun rights. We see it with our speech. Look, we all know that every foundation of of America is under assault right now. If you are paying attention, you are noticing what's happening. It is our nation is being attacked daily by leftist ideology.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I like what you said about the the censorship, you know, is it government's role? I think, you know, when you talk about like a tech company like Twitter or Facebook or whoever, censoring what I am trying to see, that's, you know, if the government is censoring me from information, then yes, that's a bad thing. But a, a parent saying you know this is the limit of what I want my child to see and I want your help in in making sure that that happens that there's nothing wrong with that um you know a, a parent self you know imposing on their children all right I don't want you seeing this type of material you're not right. ready for that it doesn't need to be in an elementary school library but maybe it is in the public library you know it's, it's that's a different story um
1: But regardless of what the policy outcome is, you know, I do believe that it's you work with people to figure out what the best option is. Right. You know, I'm just throwing ideas out there. You know, it's not anything that I'm discussing is not set in stone for no means, because I'm willing to listen to other ideas. But I can tell you the one thing I would never do is I would never I would never compromise my core convictions and, and love for this nation or you know, my Christian values, never will.
0: Great. Um, So going back to, we talked about um, COVID and masking a minute ago. Um, What would you support if, you know, in the next session, you know, after the election, would you support bringing back up the Free the Smiles Act that would prevent any further mandates? And also, would you push to revoke Governor Cooper's emergency powers?
1: Yes, I would yeah definitely on all that quite frankly i believe gov- uh, governor Cooper has um, and I know a lot of people shy away for these things, but i don't I believe he has exceeded his authority and power as an elected official and his mandates that he pulled. I think that was a violation of constitution of North Carolina and our own u s constitution so um, that what took place in my opinion was wrong, especially when he stepped on religious liberties like he did yes mm-hmm. Yeah, and
0: unfortunately, I think the Republicans helped him. Um, did. you know, so but yeah, we he has definitely overstepped his back, especially, you know, two years ago that was one thing. But I, I agree with the religious liberties should have never been compromised. Um, but now I mean even Fauci, even though he flip flopped on it already, um, said this week the pandemic is over. Um, it's time to revoke these emergency states of emergency emergency
1: powers yeah well my fa- my wife's father you know god bless him he passed away this past year um he was uh 82 years old he had a compromised immune system he uh was diagnosed with covid he had covid pneumonia was in the hospital um they they um say that when the next the last time you know he he was tested that he was uh, negative, that he tested negative. So that would mean that he didn't have COVID anymore, but because he had a a compromised immune system that they could not get his other illness under control, he passed away. But COVID of course was what they labeled his death was related to COVID pneumonia. And so, uh, you know, there's, to me, there's a lot of things that I believe government has uh, failed us on medical mandates, uh, you know, these mask mandates, medical freedoms have been, you know, stepped on our, it's, look, Matt, we are getting, we are allowing government, we as the people, this is our government, we are allowing them to control us. We should be controlling our government. You know, we should be sending people to government that is actually going to do what they say they're going to do, and not to become a rank and file member of whatever legislative branch or other government organization that they get into, whether it's the executive branch, judicial, whatever, they need to stick to their guns. They need to, to, to remain, you know, can commit to fighting against these things. It just, I mean, I've just, I'm 54 years old. I've seen our country from the sixties when I was born through the seventies of Jimmy Carter. I feel like we're back in Jimmy Carter's era with High gas prices, inflation, the Russians are invading again. It's the same thing that you saw in Afghanistan. We're having problems from Iran. We had hostages that were held by the Iranians back then also it, it just I feel like I'm we are on a revolving door of leftist policy that is putting us back in a vulnerable position that is degrading our military, our defense capabilities, our education capabilities. Because right now, in my opinion, education is probably the most important issue because if we do not fix it, we're going to have the next generation or the generation after that believing that guns are bad, that the country's evil. It's just eroding. We've got the NRA that fights for gun rights. And I've told them, I sent them, they never sent me a survey to do. I'm probably one of the (laughs) biggest supporters of the second amendment because of my military background what i believe that god put gave us our right to self uh, self self-preservation and what i've witnessed are these people that they endorse are doing policies that are harmful in the education system and they don't see that as a problem Mm -hmm. when it comes to gun rights but they're wrong because if you're teaching a kid in school from the age of five To 18 in public school system, you can sway their opinion through that time frame to think of things. So if you're embedding them to not like the Second Amendment or any other freedom that we have in our Constitution, by the time they're your age or my age, those freedoms are going to get, you know, they're slowly ticking at them now. Imagine when they're 54 years old. What is the country going to look like unless we send people to these positions that are actually going to stand up and use common sense and fight against it? So those are my real concerns. We've got to start taking America back.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, like you said, it's kind of like we're on a you know going back through history where it's like deja vu with um, with everything that's going on and. I don't think we, we don't learn from history. We, unfortunately, every so often we have to go through some hard times to, to relearn. Oh yeah. We won't, we won't make the mistake again, but unfortunately we will. Uh, um, So is there anything else that you want voters to know before the election? And today is uh, the first day of early voting, correct?
1: It is. It is. I, you know, the one thing I would like to say, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take a jab these organizations i want people to know there are a lot of groups out there that claim um they make these claims that that they are there because of you know gun rights education whatever they're there for um and they come out and they endorse certain people you know certain candidates and uh, you know We're failing here. We are really failing in these organizations. These organizations can be advantageous to our cause because where they're failing is they're not looking at what these legislators are doing. They are just um, allowing them to go wherever, Washington, Raleigh, municipal boards, county, come up with policy that is harmful to our families. And because they know them, they're willing to send them right back there, even though they're failing to do what they say they're going to do. So the organizations that are responsible for for supposedly vetting these people are not doing a good job. So when you go to the polls, understand when you're getting a a ballot from someone or an endorsement sheet from someone, understand that they are giving you a biased view on who they're supporting. Uh, There's an organization that I, you know, did not know existed that endorsed my opponent and that organization supposedly started out of battling CRT and SEL. Well, I have to make this known because this is an issue, regardless if I win the primary or not, because my opponent signed his name with leftist Democrats on H923, which would have put SEL into a kindergarten classroom. They endorsed that individual. They supposedly started their organization to fight against that, but yet they're endorsing an individual that put his name on the, to a policy like that. Did he make a mistake? Yes, he did. I know he made a mistake. Don't know why he made that mistake. Mm-hmm. But I know his name's been removed now, but we're talking a year after that policy had been presented. I just want people to be mindful that everything you hear out there, regardless of good, bad, whatever, there's always a reason for it. Ask the reason why. And the last thing I'd like to say, I'm a Christian, conservative, American veteran, patriot, husband, father, fighter, and I would be honored and humbled to have your support and vote today till May 17th, and I will fight for our families. Thank you.
0: That's that's great. And I, you know, kind of lead, you know, going off of that, there's a lot of nice Republicans, good, good men, good women that are in positions of power whether it's in the general assembly or congress or wherever but they're making bad decisions and we need educated on the issues people who are going to fight and not compromise their values and um, i do see that in you um so brian where can people find out more about you
1: um easy to access me i mean i got uh my Facebook page is uh you know uh Brian Holly for NC House. Uh they can go there. I have an Instagram, I have Twitter under my just my name, Brian Holly. They can look me up there. Um, my cell phone number, I'll give that to them because I believe all public servants or people that wish to serve should be accessible. And my so my cell phone number is 910-308-7750. You reach me through my emails. I have two that I use. My personal is Brian US. Brian, B-R-I-A-N, U-S, you're not like United States, zero one at gmail.com. And then uh, Brian Holley for House, just my name, everything spelled out, no numbers, just all letters, Brian Holley for House at Outlook.com.
0: Okay, great. Brian, thank you again for joining me on Carolina Conservative today and good luck in the primary.
1: Yep. Thank you, Matt. You have a blessed day.